This morning, uh, I want to uh, I want to take you to the uh, to the Gospel of uh, Luke, and uh, we're going to talk this morning about Christmas, God's journey to us. And uh, we 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 stood in the Gospel of Luke for the last several weeks, Luke and Matthew, and uh, we saw several things. The Gospel that the first two chapters of Luke is so rich. There is so much for us to take home in the Word of God. And, um, you know, we, you have so many pages in the Word of God, but as you look, even at these two chapters of the Gospel of Luke, it is rich in impartation to our lives. And we saw in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, you know, God has, a, He is a God of order. And uh, in order to be uh, uh, have things in order, there's got to be preparations that, that need to be made. So we have a God who is a God of order and a God who prepares things. He doesn't just act on whims and fancies. God is a God moves in, in a set way, in a set determination, in a, in a set preparation uh, pattern that he has made. In the Gospel of Matthew, we saw the, the story about the birth of Christ, and we saw basically how the focus there was on Joseph. We have saw how the angels spoke mostly to Joseph in the Gospel of Matthew. He told you the line that Jesus was going to come from. Now, this is all God's preparation for us. God wants a people to be prepared. God wants a prepared people that... Uh, in which he is about to do something. You know, when uh, God in the Old Testament called Moses up onto the mountain, I don't know if you remember that, and uh, he said, Moses, uh, before these people come into my presence, you tell them they got to prepare themselves, and they got to be for three days, uh, for two or three days, they have to prepare themselves to meet with me, my presence. And Moses went down and he told them that they had to do certain things before they could meet with God. Otherwise, they would be in serious, their life would be endangered. This is Old Testament now. You just couldn't walk into the presence of God. In the Old Testament, they had uh, the tabernacle, the, the tabernacle of Moses. And not anyone can go into the presence of God, could they? Only who? The high priest. One time a year, he was allowed to go visit the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Nobody else could walk in there, otherwise they, they would be they would be charcoal. You know, that, it just didn't happen that way. God, God, uh, God is uh, He just didn't allow anyone to come into His presence. They had to be prepared. They had to come according to the way that God had set and established. And so, so God always uh, prepared the people to meet with Him. He always had a way, a prescribed way for them to meet with the Lord. And here, God was going to bring uh, birth. Jesus Christ was going to come and take on flesh and meet with us. He was going to come and meet with us. How many of you, when you have someone coming over your house, you prepare your house, don't you? Well, most of us do anyway, uh, right? When uh, if you say, hey, Pastor Al's coming over to our house today, you know, you vacuum the rug, you do all this here, you clean everything up, right? Do you do that? Well, you don't have to, but I mean, you prepare. And the, the bigger the, the, uh, the person who's coming, the more you get 
anxious about how your house is going to look and everything, right? If it says, hey, uh, President Bush is coming to your house, Mark, this afternoon. Surprise. He'll be there about 5 o'clock. You know, uh, quick, honey, we got to get out of service right now. We got to go vacuum. The, you know, we got to get things in order. And especially the woman. You know, how does a woman feel when when someone who is prominent is going to come visit your house and, and you know that they're going to come, right? You want to get things in order. You want to prepare for that visitation. And when you have company, the same thing. When people are coming over for Christmas, you prepare your house for everything. You 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 prepare it. And so here, God is a... We can see that in the Gospel of Matthew, and especially in the Gospel of Luke, that God is making preparation for Jesus to come into this life, to come onto the scene with us. And uh, it says in here, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 1, he starts out, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, or the things, in another version says, surely, that are surely believed among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word have handed them down to us. It seems fitting for me as well, having investigated, I'm reading from the New American Standard, by the way, uh, and which is a fairly accurate version. Uh, and it says, it seems fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order. You see, we have a God who is a God of order. And here in Luke, he tries to put everything in the order that, that, that makes sense to us, that makes us see things in a godly perspective. And it goes on to say here, first of all, that uh, there was uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. Remember, we, we, we preached on those two. And the angel of the Lord, he appeared uh, to Zacharias, didn't he? And uh, he, uh, he, it says that uh, the angel Gabriel spoke to him. And Zacharias had a little bit of an attitude. We spoke about that with, with Gabriel. And as a result of that attitude, he, was, he wasn't able to speak for a while. You know, he, he learned something that, you know, you don't get an attitude with Gabriel, who's the angel of the Lord, who stands in the presence of God. You don't get an attitude with him. You believe him. If he comes to you and speaks to you, you believe him and say, yes, yes, I believe you know, you don't get like Zacharias did. He got a little sarcastic and he wound up in trouble with the angel. But we see that God was getting prepared for a major thing to take place in mankind. In the Old Testament, God had always says that, uh, you know, that there was no way for, for a man to be a cleansed of their wrongdoing or of their sins, that they had to get animals and sacrifice them and once a year and, and all this here, but it was just a covering. And so God made, us, made it clear throughout the Old Testament that people were people who were in need of a Savior because as long as we live, the Bible says there is not one who does righteous, not one. And in the Old Testament it says that all our righteousness was as filthy rags. So God made clear in the Old Testament that we were a people who needed his help, his cleansing, his provision, that he was the only one and the only way that we can find redemption or cleansing. And the Old Testament always prophesied about the day when God would give us a new heart and a new spirit, when he would send the Messiah or the Redeemer, Christ, the Anointed, to save and redeem his people, 
in a new and powerful way. And after the Old Testament ended, there was like 400 years of silence where really there wasn't much going on in the prophetic or anything. And all of a sudden now that the God starts to speak, uh, to send his angel Gabriel, and he starts to speak into the lives of men and women. And the first one that he came to was to Elizabeth. Now Jesus, God, it says in the fullness of time, would send his only son to be born Jesus. So why did God go to Zacharias and Elizabeth before they went to Mary and to Joseph? Why? Because God has to uh, has a plan. God has to prepare you and I for the coming of the Messiah. So he doesn't go to Mary and Joseph first. He goes first to Zacharias, who was the priest, and then he goes to Elizabeth, who was his wife. And so he goes to Elizabeth and says, Elizabeth, I'm going to do a miracle in your life. You're 80, you're, you're up there in age, but you're going to bear a child and his name is going to be called John. So remember we said it's never too, you're never too old to have God work in your life to bring forth a miracle in your life. So now why is God bringing John? Why is John necessary? Now, God could have just blessed Elizabeth a long time ago with a child because Zacharias was praying in the temple because the Bible, when Gabriel came, he said, Zacharias, remember we preached on this, Zacharias? He said, your prayer has been heard. Now, he wasn't praying that at that time, as we said. So God could have answered that prayer a long time ago, but he had a plan for Zacharias and Elizabeth because the Bible says they walked in righteousness with the Lord. God knew that they were good, their hearts were towards him, and God had a plan that went beyond their expectation. They wanted a baby. But God said, you want a baby? I'll give you a baby, all right, but it's not going to be just any baby. See, when they were believing God for just a baby, but God said, I'm going to give you not just a baby, I'm going to give you a baby, and you're going to call his name John. And God sent an angel to announce that to them. How would you like to have an angel come and announce that to you? You know, to you. And here, God had a purpose and he had a plan. And he went to uh, Zacharias and then he went to Elizabeth. And the reason he went and says that John had to be born, and he went to John and, and it says six months later, the angel appeared to Mary and says that Mary would be with child. But the first thing he did was he went to Elizabeth. And... Uh, Go with me to uh, Luke chapter number 1, verse number 7. The angel Gabriel says to Zacharias that you're going to have a son, and his name shall be called John. And he says, uh, verse 14, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. He's going to be great. He's going to go on. And verse 17, verse 16, and he will turn back, he's talking about John now, and he will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. John was, wasn't going to be just an ordinary baby. John had a mission from God. John, even before he was born, God spoke over his life of what was going to be accomplished through John. See, God had a plan. God just doesn't make things happen and then say, okay, what can I do next? 
God had a plan, and he said, John is going to be born, and John is going to turn, turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. Now remember, we're coming out of a period of 400 years where people did not have that whole practice and presence of the Lord. Many people at this time had backslidden, given up on the Lord. You know, sometimes if you don't hear from the Lord for a while, do you give up on Him? Do you start to backslide or walk away? And here he was saying at this time, a lot of the Israelites who believed in the Lord were starting to backslide. He said, but John is going to put a fire in their hearts and turn many back to the Lord their God. He said, this is of John. And he says, and it is he who will go as a forerunner before him, who is a capital H-I-M, in the spirit and power of Elijah. John was going to be a forerunner. Why did God want John to be a forerunner? What was the purpose? Why was he necessary? If Jesus was coming onto the scene, isn't that good enough? Why did John have to precede the birth of Christ into this life? Because God doesn't do anything. Remember we said the Bible, God is faithful to his word. God doesn't act outside of his word. What his word says, God, God does. And the Bible says in the Old Testament that nothing is done except it be done with two or three witnesses to confirm the issue. Remember we says that uh, we the shepherds, they were witnesses to the birth of Christ and that Simeon and Anna were witnesses inside. And so now here he's got John and Jesus. He's going to have these two as witnesses that Christ is the Messiah. There's going to be the forerunner, John, who is going to proclaim that Jesus is come. The Messiah is come, and he's going to tell us how to prepare ourselves to meet with Jesus. He's going before and say, you just can't meet Jesus any old way. You can't meet him with a slap on the back. How you doing, pal, buddy, good? He's saying that you're going to have to meet him in a certain way. You're going to have to prepare yourself. And this wasn't John's theology. This was God who said John is going to be a forerunner. And he says uh, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. See, God is concerned about your family. God is a restorer of relationships, of families. And here, fathers and children were separated, maybe over their belief in the Lord, or, or, or the, the Lord is, in, is you know, he, he's done with uh, whatever. But it says that John was going to be a restorer of restoring uh, the hearts of the father back to the children. God is concerned about your heart. He's concerned about the hearts of fathers and children, and wives, and whatever. And he says, so first of all, God, in preparation for the Messiah, he wants the hearts to be right. He wants your hearts to start getting right with the Lord. And he says, and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to, look what he says, so as to what? To make ready a people prepared for who? For the Lord. Who is the Lord? Jesus is on his way. Jesus hasn't even been born yet. But he's telling him the reason John is going to be born is because John is going to go before Christ. He's going to be preaching about the Messiah and that, fathers, you got to get your hearts right. 
that those of you who are backslidden, you've got to get back to the Lord and get your hearts right with God. And it says many who are disobedient, who didn't believe, he's going to be preaching either to them. That your heart now needs to get prepared to meet the coming Messiah. God is concerned about the hearts. And so God had a reason for John being born. Not just to bless Zacharias and Elizabeth, although they were blessed, but God had a purpose and a plan. And he and John, from the womb, he had a mission to accomplish. And so he, he went uh, to make ready. And when you make something ready, he says to make ready a people. That's you and me. We're the people that, that are being made ready. When you make something ready, uh, you need you need something. You know, you you, to, you need to to make a cake. You need ingredients for John to make people ready. There had to be some some ingredients for them to be ready to meet the Lord. And God had it all in place. He had a bunch of sinners. He had promises that the Messiah would come and save them. A Savior would come, and then he has the Savior on the way. So he's putting all the ingredients together so that we can be redeemed, so that we can be saved from our sins, which were, which were dragging us down, and, and we had no hope. And so people were being prepared. And re remember now that uh, John had a mission to accomplish from the Lord. And so now here we want to go to Luke chapter number 1, verse 31. And it says, and he speaks now, the angel appears to Mary. First, he took care of John, made sure John was on the way, and they knew what John was to do. He wanted, they wanted, God wanted to make sure that Zacharias, John isn't to go to school to learn how to be a surgeon. John isn't going to go to school to be a lawyer. John isn't going to go into the music ministry. John is going to go into the, be a forerunner of Christ. He had a mission to accomplish. And so they wanted to be specific about what John was going to do. And so here in now the angel appears to Mary. See, God sets the stage with John, and now he comes to Mary six months later, and uh, he says to Mary, verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He makes clear to Mary who her son is going to be. He is going to be the Son of God. He's going to have the throne of David. He is going to be the Messiah, the Christ, the Promised One. She understood all of that language, and he will reign, verse 33, over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And here, again, he's telling Mary, and he told her that Elizabeth was having a child. He made the connection. Remember we said that? But now he's telling her that, Mary, you're going to have a, a child who is going to be, and, and Mary, to Mary, we don't understand the words that he spoke to Mary, but Mary did that he was going to be the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of David, whose throne, whose kingdom was going to have no end. And he was going to be, call his name Jesus, which means salvation. And he was going to be the Savior, but he wasn't going to be just any Savior. He was going to be an, ag an aggressive Savior. He was going to be aggressive in coming after you 
and me to save us. He wasn't just going to be there, but he was going to come after you and I. And how do you know, how many of you know the Lord pursues you to save you? He comes after you, knocking on your door to save you, to redeem you, to purchase you back from from uh, from sin and, and Satan and all of that. And in Luke chapter 3, and how has it happened to me? Remember we says that now Mary, who was a teenager, you know, you're never too young to have God work a miracle in your life. And Elizabeth was older, so you're never too old, right? And so now the angels made the connect, and now it says Mary in verse 39 and Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And I want you to look at, to see this. In verse 41, And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with, who? Filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't take the Holy Spirit out of the whole picture here because he plays a predominant and dominant role here. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And listen to this. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now here's Elizabeth, much older, much, much older than Mary. Elizabeth could have said, Lord, what's going on here? I've been serving you for so many years, and this woman, who's a teenager, why am I carrying John, and why is she carrying Jesus? Lord, shouldn't it be the other way around? She carries John, and I carry Jesus. After all, I've served you a long time, Lord. I believe you. You know, you see what could have happened? out of Mary, and how many times do we say, ah, oh, I've been in ministry for so long, and this little whatever comes up, and there they are, you know. And so, see, sometimes we got to learn a lesson from the gospel, that here's Elizabeth who served the Lord faithfully for many, many, many years, and God didn't bring the Messiah through her for whatever reason. He didn't bring the Messiah through her. He could have very easily said, Elizabeth, you're going to birth the son and you call his name Jesus. But why did God allow Elizabeth to take the forerunner, bring the forerunner to, of Christ and bring Mary, a teenager, and bless her with that honor of bringing forth the, the Messiah? Why? When we get to heaven, we'll ask the Lord. But, but you, you have to learn the lesson that as you see it here, Mary, um, Elizabeth greeted Mary, the younger, and blessed her and said, this is of God, this is God's doing, so who are we? You know, we just need to be thankful to the Lord for what he's doing in our midst. So we can never become jealous or competitive with one another when it comes to the things of the Lord. We got to see that when God does something in someone's life, it's for a specific reason and purpose, and we need to bless God for their life and their ministry and whatever God has set them to do. And as much as you might like to do what that person is doing, it's not where God has called you to do or to be. And so you need to, we need to know our call and our place in the work and in the kingdom of God. And Mary, though she was much younger, 
what did she do? She ran to Elizabeth, and because they were of one spirit, and they, they grew and they learned from one another. They encouraged one another in the faith and in the Lord. So Elizabeth wasn't jealous with, with Mary. And in verse 46, and Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Mary knew that even before he was born, she believed the words of the angel Gabriel that he who was in her womb was her Savior. Can you comprehend that? The child that was in Mary's womb was going to save her, was going to save her. That he was her Savior. She didn't say he would be. She says, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. He was then and there in her womb, her Savior. And so Mary had now faith. She believed right now that he is my Savior. I can't see him, but I know the word of God said that he is my Savior. He that is in me is my Savior. Can you see Jesus in you? But do you believe that he is your Savior now? God says that he wants to put a new heart and a new spirit in your life. When you ask Jesus into your life, he comes in. The Bible says that. We can't see him, can we? Can any of you look inside and see Jesus, huh? Can, can anyone, can, some, can a doctor look in your ear and say, oh, there's Jesus, way down there, I see him. No, nobody can see Jesus in your life. But do you believe that he's in there? Yes. Do you believe that he is your savior? As Mary said, he is my savior. She, she could feel him in there, but she couldn't see him. Right? And sometimes you could feel the, the presence of God in your life. Sometimes you can't. But do you believe that he is in you and that he is your savior, as God's word says? See, Mary believed the word of God. She believed angel, the angel Gabriel. She believed the word that he who is in me is my savior. And we got to walk through life saying, I know he that is in me is my savior. His name is Jesus. I shall call his name Jesus, my savior. And so we see that here, that Mary had now faith. And she goes on to say, see, because she couldn't speak. Mary couldn't speak of what Jesus had done, could she? Because he wasn't out of the womb yet, was he? He wasn't out healing the blind and raising the dead yet, was he? He was in her womb. And so how could Mary praise him who was her Savior who was in her? How could Mary magnify him and praise him? Because he has not yet come and did what you and I know he did. Come to see he did. But what did she do? What was the only thing that Mary could do to praise and magnify his name? She can only start to say, he's not out of my womb yet. He's in me. He's my savior. But let me tell you what he's done. Let me tell you what him who was about to come has done already. And she goes on to say, for he had he has regard, verse 48, for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. Do you count yourself as blessed because the Lord is in your life? Do you see yourself as the blessed of the Lord because he's in, in your life? If Jesus is in you, you shall be called the blessed of the Lord. 
Amen. It's true. You are the blessed of the Lord if Jesus is in you. And he goes on to say, For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. See, Mary is, Mary is saying that even she's speaking from the past, too. Because she knows, she knows the Old Testament of what was written. She knows that God is faithful generation to generation of those who fear the Lord. And she has no doubt that in the future, that from generation to generation, because she knows that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So she knows that Jesus, who is in her, is the same God who was faithful to his word yesterday, who is faithful to his word today, and will be faithful to his word for generations to come. And so the word of God never goes out of season. It never goes out from generation to generation. It doesn't apply to one, but it says it applies to all generations, to those who fear him. Verse 51, he has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. You see, that's why John had to come, because people who are, are have proud thoughts in their heart can't come to the Messiah. The Lord will not receive those who are proud in their own heart and say, Jesus, I don't need you as a Messiah. What are you doing here? He doesn't receive that. But John had to go to say, you got to prepare your hearts and turn back to the Lord your God so that you can be received. But here she said, he has brought down rulers from their thrones. God is not a respecter of persons. And here there were rulers who had turned their hand and their face against the Lord and God brought them down. It's not a big thing for God to bring down thrones and rulers. And it says, and he has exalted those who were humble. You see, God, God can take the mightiest king who is arrogant and whose heart is, is blaspheming God and bring them down. Not a problem for God. Easy thing for him to do. But those who are humble, God will lift up. Because God wants a heart that is humble to him. And that is why John went before the Lord. Because he wants the people to be humble in repentance before the Lord. That they need a Savior. That the Savior is coming and that they need him. There are some who would say, yes, we need a Savior, like Mary. And others who would say, no, we don't need it. We can make it on our own. And God will bring those, those men and women down. And it says, he has filled the hungry with good things, and he has sent away the rich empty-handed. When you're rich, you can only buy so much, but those things even don't satisfy. But the humble he will satisfy. You see, Mary is, Mary is speaking from past experience as she's seen the hand of God work all the way back from Adam and Eve all the way through Abraham. You know, the, the Bible, the Old Testament was there for Mary to read. Jesus read out of, out of the Septuagint, which was a version, a written version of the Old Testament, part of the Old Testament. And so Mary knew what God had done in the times past. And so she is, she's saying that God looks at the humble and the lowly and he will bring them up when their heart is right. But the proud, the proud who reject him and refuse him, he's going to bring down. And so it says he has given help to Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. And it says, and Mary stayed with her. So Mary couldn't speak about what he was going to do. She knew that he was the Savior and the Messiah and that if he'd done wonderful things in the past, 
She knows he's going to do wonderful things in the days ahead. And so as she gives birth to the Messiah, she's, she's pondering all of the possibilities that God, is, that God could do in her life and that Jesus could do. And now in verse number, in verse number 67 of chapter number 1, Zacharias gets filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is filling people up. And when, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, the Word of God starts coming forth out of your body. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We see it way back then. God filled them with the Holy Spirit before they were to enable them to talk about the Messiah, about the Christ. And so when you have the Holy Spirit in you, the Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And that's why the Holy Spirit is is necessary, is needed. He's a part of the Godhead of the Trinity. And so we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to, to allow the Word of God to come forth with power. And here, Zacharias, verse 68, he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. Now, the Lord didn't come to just visit us. Now, we know that Jesus came for a period of time and then was crucified, buried, resurrected, and ascended, right? So, in that sense, he visited us. But in reality... It says he accomplished redemption, which means that everything that God needed to do to save you and I, when Jesus came, it was going to be, it was as good as done. It was, it was finished. Because nothing was going to stop Christ from going to Calvary. And, uh, and, and even Peter and them said to him, oh no, this, this can't be. And he said, get behind me, Satan. Because <laughs> this has got to be done. And so when Christ came, it was the mission, it was as, as in God's words, were accomplished, was good as done. And so here he says, uh, God has visited us and he has accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David. And redemption means to buy us back, to take back what was rightfully his. You and I were formed and fashioned in the womb and given breath by God himself. The devil didn't breathe life into you. You didn't just pop on the scene without God knowing about it. God said, oh, who's this? A new addition down there? Who is that? You know, God knows everyone who is, uh, has breath in them because he formed you and fashioned you in the womb. And the Bible says we have all gone astray and sin brought us into captivity and now God had to redeem us, get us out of captivity. And the only way he did that was through the blood of Christ, his son, through Jesus. So the Messiah had to be born to redeem us from that curse of sin and death. And so it says we, the re, and he is the, he raised up the horn of salvation. You know what the horn means? Symbolizes power. The God, the Bible says that we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. And so we see that, that here Zacharias is, is, through the Holy Spirit, is speaking some powerful things here. And he says, uh, by the mouth of his holy prophets, verse 71, that salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Why did Jesus come? What is one of the reasons Jesus came? To save you and I from our enemies and from all those who hate us. Do you know that you have enemies out there in this life? 
You know there are people who hate you because you love Jesus, because you walk with the Lord. And the Bible says he's come to save you from all those who are your enemies and who hate you. And he says to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his covenant. And he goes on to say that we, verse 74, and I want you to see this verse here, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, you see, God wants to be, God is called a deliverer. And he has come with a purpose and a plan to aggressively come and get you and save you and deliver you from the evil one and the things that have taken you captive. Why? Why, did, why does God want to deliver you and, and save you? Why did Jesus come? He said, because, verse 74, that you might. What is the word might? It doesn't say so that you will. It would be wonderful if God saved us and we had no choice but to serve him. The Bible says he saves us and sets us free from our captives. He puts us in a place again of choice and of choosing. And when Jesus comes into your life, it's a choice that you have to make from that point on. That now that God has set you free, will you, the question is, will you serve him? Without fear, the Bible says God doesn't give us a, a spirit of fear, but in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So the question is that God has come to deliver us, and that's what John has gone out to preach. He's gone out to preach because, see, people were living, they, were, they knew that they were in sin, and, the, and if God showed up, John had to let them know that God is showing up not to fry you, He's, he's not showing up to come with a hammer to, to beat the heck out of you, but he's coming to redeem you. That was the message of John. Because people who are living in sin, when they meet with a holy and righteous God, fear comes upon them because they know that they cannot stand in the presence of a God. And the, and the Bible says he's an all-consuming fire. And so John had to go before Jesus to let the people know that he's coming to, to be the Savior and the Redeemer of the Lord. And the angels announced to the shepherds that let there be peace on earth to all men. He came to establish peace between those who are sinners and, and, and a holy and righteous God. That while they were set free, that they might, in their heart, they might then choose to say, You have saved me and delivered me. Now I will serve the Lord my God, not in fear, but in love and holiness and in righteousness. So the Bible says that Jesus was born, came into the, born through Mary and Joseph as the Prince of Peace, to come as the Savior of the world. And John let everyone know he's not coming with a hammer at this time. He's coming with love. He's coming with forgiveness. He's coming to save you, to redeem you, to bring you back into right relationship with the Lord, to let there be peace on earth between you, who are sinners, and God, who is holy and righteous. So John went before everyone to say, all right, get yourselves right. You don't have to run and hide. You can come to the Lord if your heart is repentant. And that's why John had a, had a, a baptism of repentance. Telling people that the time is right to get right with God if you just repent. 
So he had to go before Jesus, otherwise everybody would have been running under the hills and the rocks, saying the Savior is here and we're sinners and we can't stand before the Lord. And so John told, told them, repent. And when Jesus came on the scene in Mark, he says, repent for the gospel, uh, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe the gospel of Christ. So John went about to say, now's the time to get yourselves redeemed. Now's a good time to cash in on the peace with God. Because if you don't, you, you, there's no other way that you're going to be able to stand before God who is all holy. And, and your life will be just, it will be spent in, in hell, in the lake of fire and brimstone. But John, God made John go to make sure the people knew that God came with a, not a surrender flag, but he came with a flag of peace. And we've got to take out the white hankies on the stick, you know. I give up. I surrender, Lord. I give up. I want peace. Take me, you know, take me captive. Captive in your love and watch. So here we see that, that, uh, we needed to be redeemed from, uh, all of that. And Jesus came, the Bible says, if you go and you read through those scriptures, you'll see great things that we needed to be redeemed. And John the Baptist went ahead of Jesus to let the people know what they needed to do to get themselves right with the Lord. And when Jesus came on the scene then and began preaching, then they began to listen and to hear, some of them did, and give their hearts to the Lord. But there was a long time, wasn't there, between when Jesus grew up. He was preaching at 12 years old in the temple, but they didn't pay him much mind, did they? Because he was just a teenager preaching in the temple. So who, was, who paid him much mind? But when he was older and he began to now show signs and miracles and wonders, people started to pay attention, some of them, right? But John, John was out there preaching before Jesus uh, had come. And so the Lord came, he's come to your house and to my house. And if you remember the account of Zacharias in chapter 19, Zacchaeus rather, who the, the little man who went up into the tree and he wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus, when Jesus passed by, he saw him and he said, Zacchaeus, he says, come down from there. He says, because I'm coming to your house tonight. He says, I'm coming to your house tonight. And everybody else says, ah, how could, how could Jesus associate with sinners? That's why he came. That's why Jesus came, to make peace between sinners and Father God. And Zacchaeus came down and it says, uh, he, he says, you know, uh, let, me, let me just read that one portion to you. I just want to get that right real quick. He says, uh, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. See, because they were saying, Jesus, how can you come and save Zacchaeus? He's a sinner. And Jesus said, well, his heart is right and he's a son of Abraham. He's, he's one, uh, he's, a, he's a seed of, of promise. He's, he's, a, he's one, of, one of those who has a right to be redeemed. And you and I have a right to be redeemed of the Lord. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So Jesus came so that he can come to your house. And he says he's come to your house so that he can redeem you and save you, that you might, that you might serve him. 
not in fear, but in holiness and righteousness. And so when we think of Christmas, we got to think that, Lord, you came to redeem me, that I might serve you in holiness and in righteousness. It's all about having the Lord come into our house. This is our house. And remember we said as Mary, Jesus was in her. She couldn't see him, but she said, he's my Savior, and I'm going to serve him. And so we need to say, Lord Jesus, you've redeemed me and saved me from my enemies, and I will serve you, not out of fear, but I will serve you out of love with righteousness and holiness all the days of my life. We have to remember God is holy and he is righteous and he wants us to do that which is right in his sight and his hearing. And so, like Mary said, he is now my savior. He is now my savior and my God. And the next things that came out of her mouth was praise, praise and worship. And so if he's our Savior, we need to be letting praise and worship come out of our mouth and confessing great things over our life. Can we all stand this morning? You know, the Bible also says in Second Peter chapter 3 uh, that we who know this, the Word of God, we, we, we know as we remember that Christ came as we celebrate Christmas, but we also know the Word of God that is in us, that the Bible says that Christ will come again, and no man knows the day or the hour that he is to come. But he will come. Just as he came in that manger, he will come. But this time he's coming as a warrior, as a king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible says, look up, get yourself prepared you see, John the Baptist went out and says, prepare ye the way of the Lord because he's coming. And the word of God tells us, prepare yourselves to live lives of righteousness and holiness in the Lord. Be filled with the spirit of God and live in holiness and righteousness because the Lord is coming again. And this time it's going to be unannounced. He's, going to, he's given us a warning. You see, God has given us warning already. He's preparing us. He said... There, there was the big star, and there was all that stuff, and there was, there was advance notice and everything, and it happened. But God said, now people, prepare yourself, because he's coming again, but this time, Bible says, the Bible says, he comes as a thief in the night. You're not going to know, it's just going to, it's just going to happen, and God is going to be there. But the Bible tells us, prepare yourselves, be ready, live soberly, don't fall asleep thinking the Lord you know, isn't going to come and you have the rest of your life to live. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. But the Bible says, live soberly with expectancy that the Lord can come at any time. And when he does, he's going to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if he's in you, if you know that he's your Savior now, you have nothing to fear. But you have a joy and expectancy that he, when he comes, you're going to be with him. You're going to be taken up to be with him. It's going to be, come on, ride with me. But if you're not, if you don't know that he's your now Savior and Lord, you're in for, you're in for a defeat, a very, very sad and, and tough defeat.
So we want to be ready. We want to live prepared that whenever the Lord comes, come Lord Jesus, I'm ready. I'm saddled up, ready to ride with you. And so we've got to be prepared to live our lives for Jesus, to live it in holiness and righteousness, not in fear, but in joyful expectation that I'm waiting and the Lord is coming. Lord, I'm prepared. My heart is ready. And so we we just want to keep ourselves in that expectation that he came. He is my now Savior, but he's coming again. And he wants me to prepare the way. As John said, prepare you the way. Repent. So now, Lord, I prepare my heart for your second coming also into my life. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, Father, uh, into this world to show us the way, to teach us, Lord, to, uh, to be a light to us, Lord God. And we thank you that you have redeemed us and purchased us and made us your own that you have adopted us into the kingdom of God, made us your sons and daughters. And now, Father, we thank you for all that you brought forth through Joseph and Mary, through Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the wondrousness of his death and resurrection. And now, Lord, we are a prepared people, Lord, living expectantly, waiting for you to return, Lord God. And, Father, may you find us faithful and true. May you find us, Lord, a people looking up, waiting for you, Lord, for that day. But in the meantime, we will be a people who believe you for great exploits, for great things, Lord. May we be found busy, Lord, working out great things for your namesake and for the kingdom of God. May we be found with our hands to the plow, Lord God, as remember, as we remember, Lord, that you came and redeemed us, but you're coming again. Help us, Lord, to be ready. Help us to have a Oh, Lord God, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Help us, Lord, to have the helmet of salvation on and, and all the rest of the armor of God, Father. Help us to be walking with each other in love, lifting each other up, encouraging each other to believe and to walk on with you, Father. And so, Father, we thank you now for this time and gather together in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.